Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, Dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger Podcast. I am so excited to bring you this week's episode, which comes to us in partnership with Adobe Express. So Adobe Express is celebrating Small Business Month by providing small business owners, entrepreneurs, and side hustlers simple and tangible tips and tricks to help take your business to the next level. I am so excited to have Delara Gorgian, otherwise known as a legal baddie to so many, here today. She is a lawyer turned content creator on the rise and has taken social media by storm, amassing over 1 million followers on TikTok. With her winning combination of femininity and professionalism, she effortlessly balances her career as a lawyer, content creator, and musician, and has worked with some of today's most notable brands as a result. Delara will share tips that have helped her along the way to success as a creator, lawyer, and musician while cultivating a brand. Delara is full of incredible tips for anyone who's wanting to take their journey as a creator further and shares all her hacks to using Adobe Express and just how she has built this community on TikTok. I think there's so much that we can all learn from her and take away from this conversation. So I'm really excited to bring it to you. I wanted to bring you guys this week's review, which comes to us from Ash Leap. And I'm guessing this is a she. So she says, hey, love the concepts. Could you bring on a functional doctor to talk about detoxing slash MTHFR gene mutations? Wow, this is actually really interesting. Ashley, thank you so much for leaving this review. And guys, if you have a couple of minutes and want to support the show, please, please take the time to rate and review it. All you have to do is open the Apple podcast app, scroll down to the bottom where it says rate and review the show in the rating section. If you feel like the show has brought you value, and that I deserve it, please leave me a five-star rating. And in the review section, tell me anything you want me to know. Honestly, episode ideas, guests that you want to see, feedback, literally anything you want to tell me, that's the place to do it. And I just so appreciate hearing from you guys. 
All right. With that, let's welcome Delara to the Dream Bigger podcast. So were you, like, did you start your TikTok page while you were in law school? Because, I mean, it's so cool that you show up there and you're so fucking cerebral. I wish I did. And yet, like, you know, you're just so cool. So (laughs) when did you start TikTok? When did you get into it? When when did you realize, okay, like, I kind of want to go down this content creator path versus, like, lawyer at a law firm? Right. Okay. So I didn't. I, I wasn't making content while I was in law school. I didn't have a platform really, but I always enjoyed making content. And mm-hmm. I've enjoyed making content my entire life. Like the moment I got a webcam, <laughs> like when I was probably, I don't know, like 10 years old, I wanted to start making videos. I don't know. I've always just been a creative person. I grew up actually very immersed in music. I mm-hmm. wanted to pursue a career in music. And then around when I was 18, because I graduated high school a year early to pr- to move to LA to pursue mm-hmm. music. And then this was like 2000. 12-ish and the music industry was very different then and I was told I needed to lose 20 pounds I was too ethnic looking my story wasn't interesting enough and the contracts were also extremely one-sided it just like I loved music but I didn't love the industry Mm -hmm. and I and I was so committed to my (laughs) career as a musician that I actually failed like the deal I made with my parents was I could go to LA to pursue music if I stayed enrolled in school. So I was like enrolled in a community college, but I was failing my classes. I didn't even drop them. I failed them because I was so confident that I was going to be like a star. And I think I had like a 0.6 GPA. It was crazy. (laughs) Anyway, so. Well, um, you made it to law school. So for anyone listening, there's hope. (laughs) 1000%, 1000% there's hope. And it's just, it's crazy. My life has really just been a series of challenging people's expectations of me and what, you know, I told just not being realistic. Yeah. So I moved back home and I'm like, what do I do now? And I guess I was like, I guess I just, you know, start taking classes at a community college and see. I I didn't even have a plan. I didn't even know if I wanted law school at this point. I was technically Mm -hmm. a freshman in college. And the first class I took was a communications class, just standard class you take as a freshman. But my professor happened to be the head coach of the speech and debate team. And I think because I had a natural affinity for performing, public speaking was something that wasn't scary to me. It was something that I kind of liked. And my professor, he caught on to that and he eventually asked me to join the speech and debate team, which I thought was I was just like speech and debate. I just thought it sounded so nerdy, especially as someone who like just was living in L.A., like partying next to all these celebrities. Like it was just a very two different worlds. But there was a cute guy on the speech and oh debate. Oh, my God. I love this story. <laughs> this is so funny. And I was like, OK, I'll try it. And if I don't like it, I can always quit. Yeah. I ended up falling in love with speech and debate. The guy wasn't even like he ended up leaving the team. Oh my God, he wasn't even that cute at the end of the day anyway. (laughs) That's how it always works. Like every guy I've always, anyway, became the captain of my team. We won two consecutive national championships. We were like, I I felt all my friends were on the team. We were traveling together to like all these different tournaments. And I felt so excited about learning. I felt excited about sharing ideas. I felt excited about expanding my mind, communicating ideas. And then I asked myself, I'm like, okay, well, how do I, how do I leverage these skills? Like, what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. And then of course I also have like 
my Iranian parents in the back of my mind who sacrificed so much just for us to even live in this country. And they don't have like a retirement plan. Like they pretty much everything was invested in me and my sister. So it was like, I I want to choose something that, of course, will afford me financial security and something that, you know, in Iranian culture is deemed as something that would like make my parents proud. So on one hand, I was like excited. It wasn't just for them because I loved like the speech and debate and just everything that came with it. But that was definitely like an influence as well. And then UCLA was my top choice because they had the top entertainment law program. And I thought it would be the perfect synthesis of like my background in music Mm -hmm. and then this newfound passion for advocacy. And I quickly decided that I didn't want to do entertainment law like a year in. And mind you, I also got waitlisted at UCLA when I applied. And then by the time I had graduated, I was the recipient of the UC President's Award, which is actually like an entire like a, a UC wide award. It's not just within UCLA. And it was for my advocacy work for DACA. And it's just crazy how like I think it's it's just um example of, again, like when you're told no, because I really pushed. I submitted two letters of continued interest. I like scheduled a tour on campus just to get in front of the admissions team and be like, why don't you want me? Mm-hmm. Because my LSAT score was really great. And my GPA was good. I, I retook all the classes I failed mm-hmm. and was able to get to a point where I was a good candidate. And they were like, yeah, you know what? Like, you are like a good candidate. And then the, and then the next day I got a call uh, saying that they wanted to interview me. And I knew because I was like on these forums. If I got the call for the interview, then I got in. Mm-hmm. But the problem with getting in off of the wait list is all of the scholarship monies are, are already allocated. And I was paying for my own law school. So I had to make the decision between going to UCLA full price or going to a better school with scholarship money, which was like, it felt like a very illogical, like, it's clear what the answer should have been, but my heart was set on UCLA. And I ended up choosing it. And within a month of enrolling, a brand new fellowship was created for undocumented students. And the amount of money I got on the fellowship was exactly the amount of scholarship money that the other school had offered me. And what? I and what I realized wild. in that moment is that the universe really rewards you when you take an act of courage in alignment with your true self. Yeah. Because it was a risk. It w- it didn't really make sense, but I just like knew I had to do it. Mm-hmm. It was right for me. Anyway, fast forward. I graduate law school in the pandemic and it was a weird time. And I was like applying to law firms and stuff, thinking that like, okay, obviously I need to start making money, but I, I wasn't getting the jobs that I wanted or the, because the jobs that I wanted were like, adjacent to the entertainment industry and adjacent to creatives because at my heart I was a creative but I was rejecting that for like the last decade yeah and it wasn't working out and it's clear to see why it wasn't working out in retrospect but I was like okay well in the meantime I'll start making videos on TikTok and, I, and it wasn't for like career or anything I just it's just fine it was I, I made a video saying hey everyone I'm doing a 30-day challenge I'm going to read for 10 minutes a day journal for 10 minutes a day meditate 10 minutes a day like just these self-improvement challenges and this is me day one like follow along if you want to see what happens and then that first video went viral and I was like okay now I understand the power of the algorithm I understand that There are people that want to watch what I'm putting out, but I'm not a wellness girl. Like, I'm not a fitness girl. So what value can I provide, like, on this app now that I have these eyes on me? 
And the first thing I thought of was public speaking because I had like all this training in public speaking. So then I started making like how to sound like a baddie. That video popped off and I was just sharing tips and tricks on how to be a more eloquent speaker and to remove filler words out mm-hmm. of your vocabulary. Ended up going on like Ryan Seacrest podcast and giving him the tips. Like it's crazy how much the internet can really change your life. Wait, give, and... give, me, give us the tips. Okay, so <laughs> the video that went super viral was basically, it was an exercise to get rid of filler words. And what you do and what I, and this is something I learned in like speech and debate boot camp. Okay. Is that you have someone yell out a random word. It could, okay. be, it could be like water bottle. Wait, do, do it with me right now. Okay, so, well, let me tell you how okay. it works and okay. then we'll do it. Okay. Water bottle or like purse or uh-huh. something. You have to talk about it for 60 seconds straight without using a filler word. Okay. If you get 15 seconds in and then you use a filler word, I yell like, stop, you have to start from the beginning until you can go a full 60 seconds talking about something without using a filler word. And over time, you get so used to it that you stop at least you don't stop completely. And there are there are reasons why we use filler words. Like there's value in them, but there is such thing as overusing them. And yeah. we do hear that often, like just using like between every word. So it's a really great way to just kind of strengthen the muscle between the mind and your mouth almost. That is such a smart yeah. tip. I'm going to practice too. this. It's fun too. Should I, we do a round? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to give you a word or do you want to give me a word? No, I know you're good at it, Delara. <laughs> this is your whole job. What do you mean? Okay, let's say, I don't like the Met Galas this weekend. So the Met Gala? Yeah. The Met Gala is... I feel like you need to start a timer. <laughs> okay, I'm, I, I, I have a timer in my head. Okay, the, the Met Gala is an event that happens every year, first Monday of May in New York City yeah. at the Met. And it's hosted by Anna Wintour and Vogue, and it usually has a theme. There is a display situation inside that happens and people dress up on theme. This year, the theme is Karl Lagerfeld. And I'm very excited to see all of the outfits. There are a ton of confirmed celebrities who are going and it should be a fantastic red carpet. You killed it. <laughs> that was amazing. It's it's And it's beautiful to see the focus on your mind. When you put a little bit of intention in something like what you're able to accomplish, of course, you have lots of experience being an incredible podcast host. Okay, but, you know, the reason <laughs> I'm very interested in this is because I have gotten in the past comments about the fact that I say like a lot. And then really? because I kept hearing that, I was like, I need to fix this. Sure. You know, and so it's something that I constantly work on. And I really yeah. like that you've shared this very tangible exercise yeah. that everyone can use now totally. at home. Yeah. And there's a reason that video popped off. <laughs> there is a reason the video popped off. It's also something like a fun way to do something with your friends. But also, if you don't have a friend at home, you could just like auto generate a random word generator. There's plenty of ways to improve. And it's beautiful how much intention can really make you level up in any way you want. Like the second you just make a commitment to, okay, I'm going to do this, you're unstoppable. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So we are having this conversation because it's Small Business Month and Adobe is, of course, a huge supporter of that. So I actually started to use Adobe when I kind of graduated onto my creator journey ahead of starting Array. And so I know that Adobe Express is this incredible platform that provides 
thousands of free templates and makes things like removing backgrounds from images really easy and adding text animation really easy. So talk to everyone about how you use Adobe during your journey and like any tips you can offer creators as well on how to use the platform. Yeah, I I am such a fan of Adobe and Part of the reason why I think it's so great is because you don't have to be an expert or you don't have to be a graphic designer in order to make really high quality images, whether that's for social media or whether that's for banners, flyers, anything, anything promotional. And what I really love about that is just this idea that you can democratize things that used to be limited to only a select few or to the only people that could afford it. And or people who'd gone to school for it. Or people who have gone to school for it, which also requires a lot of resources, time, which is a resource in addition to money. And I just, I mean, I feel like I can use it for literally anything and super quickly and super easily. And I also can have like someone, even like a young person, like someone in high school can have access to it and use it in ways that someone who's super advanced can do it too. And I Mm -hmm. think that's kind of like the future of everything. Everything is information. Education is becoming democratized. Access to just things that didn't used to be available to everyone. And that's what I really love doing with my platform and with the videos that I make, especially the informational, like the edutainment content is sharing ideas and sharing complex topics in ways that everyone can understand. Because I started like with the public speaking and then I like came up with this dream. I was like, okay, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore because I I took people on my bar exam journey and I ended up passing the bar exam. And I took like the video of me finding out I passed the bar exam and that like went super viral and was amazing. I think because of the representation, seeing a feminine woman of color kind of overcoming this really difficult experience and, and thinking, wow, like if she can do it, maybe I can do it. But then I told myself, I'm like, okay, I passed the bar, but I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to be a legal correspondent on a national news network. And so (laughs) I started making videos essentially that a legal correspondent would talk about like on the news, but I just put them on TikTok. So, so smart. (laughs) And what's crazy is that those videos ended up getting more views and more engagement than the legal correspondent on these national news networks. I mean, I was looking at their numbers. It was like in the few hundreds of thousands. And like the video I did on Kim Kardashian and Kanye West divorce proceedings, I think I think it was almost at like 10 million views or something. Like it was insane. And people really wanted to like understand the, not just like the the pop culture aspect of it, but the actual details and, and how it works. Because I think a part of the reason maybe people were interested is because the issues that these two really huge celebrities were going through is something that a lot of people could relate to. I mean, a divorce proceeding is something that half of the married people in this country have to go through that experience. And also just delivering it in a way that is not so mundane and not so like, because when we think about the law and explaining legal concepts, it's very much like a guy in a suit and kind of just like yelling at the camera mm-hmm. and this very like kind of masculine it's delivery. Dry. Very dry. You don't, you don't understand it. Like you don't yeah. want to understand yeah. it, to be honest. And that's the advice that I give to creators. I ask them, I'm like, what kind of content would you yourself like to see on the app? And then make that content. And that's what I did. I wasn't seeing information being conveyed in a way that was playful and feminine and funny and warm. 
and unbiased. And that's really the values that I wanted to permeate kind of through my content. And I think my audience really started to appreciate that. But then I got into this point in my content creation career where that was like the majority of my content were these legal explainer videos. Mm -hmm. And I am not just a person that explains legal concepts. I am someone who's much more multifaceted than that, as is everyone else. And so unfortunately, there's so much messaging in the content creator world that you have to niche down. down, You have to cater to the algorithm. You have to, again, fit into a delineated box. And that's everything that I rejected. That's everything that I kind of went through in my law school experience and I found myself in that position again. I'm like, okay, you know what? I am not going to play to the algorithm. I am going to do what my soul wants and what my heart wants. And that was more of the mindset stuff. That was more of the lifestyle stuff, beauty, fashion, everything that makes me who I am. Was it a risk? Absolutely. Were the numbers low on that videos in the beginning? Absolutely. But I was staying true to myself. And what's beautiful about the TikTok algorithm is that it will attract the people who are interested in what you're interested in. And I told myself, I'm like, even if my content can resonate with one person, it's worth it. I don't care if it flops. I don't care if I get hate. I don't care if there are any negative implications. This is something that I want to build and something that I want to set an example to other people to, again, like stay true to your authentic self. And it's been really rewarding. And there was a point where I had to ask myself, because I was I was doing a judicial clerkship before while I was doing the legal explainer videos. Mm-hmm. And the amount I was making on one brand deal was the amount I was making the entire month as a clerk to the judge. And the work I was doing was so intense. Like I was waking up at five in the morning working until 10 p.m. every single day, like on full wow. blast, because mm-hmm. the role of a clerk is you are reading through all of the plaintiff's briefs, all of the defendant's briefs, and then writing out who should win the case based on the law. And then you submit it to the judge. And if they like it, that's their opinion. Like they will submit it through as they'll make some edits. And then that's like the judges. You're basically a ghostwriter for the judge. That's Holy that's what. Shit. And so I, I was processing these really heavy cases that had real implications for real people. And it was just, you know, there are some people who are built for that. But as someone, again, who really resonates more with being a creative, I was in a really difficult position because I Googled, I was like, what happens if I quit my clerkship? Because it's a a one year long commitment. Mm -hmm. I've talked about this before, but if you go online and you search this question, every single search result is like, you should never quit your clerkship. And these are people who have abusive judges. My judge was amazing. I actually was just emailing with with her the other week. And I was like, well, now I feel ungrateful. Like I'm in this position that people really like would love to be in. And it's been like two months and I am i don't know what to do because I want to do content creation. I feel happy when I'm doing content creation. I'm reaching millions of people and positively impacting them. Or do I stay with this judicial clerkship and stay unhappy because that's what the expectation is? Mm-hmm. And I asked myself, I'm like, okay, well, if I die at the end of the day, am I going to be happy with how I spent my day? And the answer was no. And so I was like, okay, even if I get never get a legal job ever again, I'm okay with taking that risk. It very much felt like me choosing UCLA over again, taking a leap of faith in alignment with my true self. Mm-hmm. And I was completely rewarded. Not only was my judge super supportive, but 
everyone everyone was super supportive. And then that's when my content really started taking off. And it probably was the emotional release of, okay, now I really want to make an impact. Now I really want to grow this and see where I can take it. If I'm foregoing a legal career and the financial stability that comes with a legal career for some, I mean, essentially I was leaving to become an artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think content creation, people, there's labels around it, but you're essentially a producer. You're a producer of videos. Yeah. You're the producer. You're the actor. You're the writer. You're doing writer. all of the things. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's all art. Like, it's all expression. And so people for sure raise their eyebrows. They're like, what? Like, you spent all these all this time and money and resources and identity doing law school to leave? And I think, like, it triggered some people and made them the—or they, they were confused by it. But funny enough— Literally, there's a creator who she's growing so quickly on TikTok and her content is really amazing. We went to law school together. She graduated top of her class. Like she was like the star student, ended up going to the number one law firm in the country. She was there for a year and now she's making content on TikTok. And this is like the new trajectory. And it's amazing to think that there are people who have dedicated all of this time and money and resources into one track and have the courage and the the intelligence to pivot. I mean, something I learned in business school or one of the classes I took at the business school while I was in law school, the most successful businesses are the ones who know when to pivot. I think it's something really important that you're bringing up because, you know, we go to school, right? And we feel all this pressure to decide what we're going to do and then commit to it. And then if you think, you know, there's this niggling thought that maybe this isn't meant for me, you feel like a huge failure. And I know I went through the same thing in my career journey because it wasn't linear and it wasn't exactly straightforward. Mm -hmm. Never is. And I have said this in the past that I think it's one of the biggest myths of being in your 20s, you know? I think that it's okay to change your mind. It's good to pivot. I just think as long as you're learning from along every step that you're taking, that is like you end up where you're meant to be. You know, it just has to be intentional and you have to kind of know what you're taking away from everything that you've done, you know? Like I'm looking at, for example, you as a creator. You apply so much of what you know and you you're sharing that with the world. You're making an impact through that. You're sharing tips and tricks, like even this public speaking thing. It's such a smart tip. And that's something that you picked up from when you were in college, you know, prior to law school. So I think what you're saying about pivoting, it is, I don't think people should be afraid of that at all, all, you know? And I think that we need to be okay with following our intuition, listening to it, and just trusting that things will work out if we're coming at it from like the right place, you know? Yeah. There's actually a term called escalation of commitment where Mm -hmm. basically it doesn't just apply to career. It also applies to relationships where basically the idea is like, I've spent all of this time doing something. If if I'm unhappy and I leave, it will be a waste. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the way that it works. Every experience you've ever had makes you more. It makes you like you have grown through it. And the problem is, is that if you continue to stay somewhere where you're unhappy or you're unfulfilled or you don't feel like is a match for your soul or your heart, it's just going to continue. The snowball builds and builds and builds to a point where you feel like, okay, now again, the amount of time, resources, and identity I have invested in something is now even more than the last time that I was considering leaving. Mm-hmm. So it's actually really important to have the courage to pivot sooner than later because it's be only going to— Be nimble, gonna, Yeah, I think. be nimble. 
Adaptability is probably the most important trait someone can have, especially in a generative AI world where everything that we thought provided stability is being turned on its head, including the legal world. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful to have had done the research in law school. So once I decided not to do entertainment law, I became really interested in the intersection of technology and the law. And I actually started writing on generative AI back in like 2018. And I wrote like an entire, like my biggest law school paper was computational creativity. What happens when artificially intelligent machines are able to create work independently And what happens when that, I mean, we're seeing it today with the Drake AI and the Ariana Grande AI. If that is infringing on another piece of work, who Mm -hmm. gets sued? Is it the machine itself? Is it the creator of the machine? Is it the user of the code? And so these are all ideas that I was exposed to far before they're now in the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And so if I didn't go through that law school experience, if I didn't you know, write that paper, I wouldn't have been prepared in the way that I am today. Yeah. And I just, I really urge people to question and ask themselves, what can I do that AI can't? And a lot of people like get scared, but I think we're actually entering into this new like renaissance era where AI is going to take over all of the mundane, the number crunching, the redlining, like all of the things that make these careers miserable Mm -hmm. and force people to become better creative problem solvers even like an accountant like Mm -hmm. to be able to allocate that bandwidth into coming up with creative solutions as opposed to spending all your time crunching the numbers that's a beautiful thing but you have to be willing to adapt you can't just like say fuck ai Mm -hmm. and like the world is ending because it's the the technology is just going to continue to evolve And I think that we're going to see a huge rise in content creators and people leaning into their creativity and what makes them unique Mm -hmm. because that's what we will have to do to survive at a certain point. And it used to be the inverse, which is crazy to me, but I love it. I think that it's a good thing. Talk to me about tips that you would give to new creators who are wanting to succeed on a platform like TikTok. Well, what's beautiful about starting today is that there are so many resources online, like even something like Adobe, right? It's a program that makes what used to be really difficult when it comes to editing or creating visually appealing graphics to an audience, something that anyone can use. And I always say, not only make the type of content that you yourself would like to see, make the type of content that you are proud of. And the beautiful thing is, again, we have the resources to do that in a way that didn't exist before because it's very easy to be numbers oriented and think like, oh, like my video flopped, that means it must mean it's not a good video. That's not true. There are videos that I have come across 10 years after they were originally published that completely shifted the way that I think about the world, that touched me, that changed me. And if the creator of that video was concerned about like the numbers, you know, after posting it. And let's just say it didn't do well in the first hour and then they deleted it. I'm guilty of this too. I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. I would have never seen it. It would have never changed, you know, my perspective and, and the way that I see the world. And so I think it's just really important to remind people, make what you resonate with, make what you don't see already. Like, yes, it's good to be inspired by other creators, but in the same sense of the 
advice I give to people on the law school track. Don't try to emulate someone else's career. Yeah. Carve your own path because differentiating yourself is becoming more and more valuable again in an AI world where like so much is replicable like you have to be someone who's not replicable so you have to create something that's unique to you I I love that such such sound advice before we wrap tell everyone where they can find you pimp yourself out I know it's been so fun (laughs) yeah so fun yeah I mean you could follow me on Instagram at just my first name Delara I am legal baddie as it stands currently on TikTok. I requested a name change, but we'll see. And then my podcast is Delara's Diary. You can find it on Spotify. Apple uh, Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. <laughs> yeah. And this has been amazing. So, so fun. So we have heard today how important it is to build your brand, whether you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, or a leader, influencer, or career-driven superstar like you. And that also means everyone who's listening. You can all start creating today, too, with Adobe Express, available on all your favorite app stores and tips and tricks to get you started on your Adobe journey on adobe.com slash express. Thank you for being here, Delara. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.